This podcast was recorded on the lands of the Boonwurrung people of the Kulin Nation. The land on which I am lucky enough to raise my son always was and always will be Aboriginal land. I thought as a woman that I would get it more than I did. And I think I probably anticipated that pregnancy was a gendered experience as opposed to like a body experience, very much a support crew, as I think a lot of male partners find themselves to be, what it means to be the other mum, that mythology around having it all and you're failing at something if you're not making it work. We really have to start changing that corporate narrative that you are on the treadmill, if you have a child, just get back on. Manon Petra is a diversity, equity and inclusion partner at Canva. She's also the other mum, as she puts it. That is the non-birthing person in a two-mum family. What I love most about this conversation is the reflections around what we assume to be a gendered experience. Because while Manon and her wife may be similar when it comes to biology, that doesn't mean that Manon would go on to understand what her wife would go through in pregnancy, birth and beyond. Here, we talk about what she's learned about being the non-birthing mum, what to start and stop asking same-sex parents, the importance of robust paid parental leave, and why we still return to work as though nothing has changed. I'm Lucinda, this is Ready or Not, and here is the radiant and reflective Manon Petra. Manon, we've had a few false starts. It is now nearly the end of June. We were first meant to record in March. Our kids started childcare at a similar time. I had to cancel on you. Good old daycare sickness, but we are here. Can you please start by introducing yourself and your family? Yeah, sure. And thanks so much for having me, Lucinda. I've been really looking forward to this chat. Um, so my name is Manon. Um, as you've said, um, our family is myself, my wife, Katie, um, we have a now 15-month-old baby daughter <laughs> um, and we also have a 10-year-old dog who pretends that she's also a child. So you work at one of my favourite businesses ever, Canva. Can you take us back to the start and talk us through your amazing career? Yeah, sure. So um, I'm originally from France. Um, I was born and raised in Marseille um, on the on the south coast. Um, that's where my entirely uh, entire family still is in the south of France. I um, studied political science and then I had the opportunity of doing a year of exchange in Australia um, throughout the course of my degree. And um, I arrived in Australia in 2008 and I was just blown away. I was like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying here. So that's sort of how the, the cookie crumbles. I finished my studies in Australia doing HR and IR and then I just entered uh, a career in human resources. I worked across several industries. Originally was working in construction engineering which is a very interesting industry. Then I went into media advertising working for a media agency um, and working my way up from looking after the Australia um, region through to APAC which was awesome and then 
about two years ago now, I made the shift to work in tech. Um, so as you said, I work for Canva. So I joined the business in a generalist HR capacity. And then for the last six months, I've um, taken on a new role where I head up uh, diversity, equity, inclusion function. So that's what I do at the moment. I love the way people come from Europe and think Australia is a good life and we look at France and we're like, oh, I'd love to live in France one day. So it's nice that you love Australia so much. It makes me have less FOMO of my friends that just moved to France. No, definitely stay in Australia. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So your daughter, as you say, is about 15 months old. When did the family planning discussion start and how did you and your wife feel about that from that career point of view? Katie and I, when we met, you know, we we didn't like immediately start talking about a family, but a family was always part of the plan longer term, if that makes sense. Um, you know, it was obvious to both of us that we did want children at some point. And spoiler, but when you're a same-sex couple, like it doesn't just happen. <laughs> you, you, you need to plan for it. So, you know, there's a lot of hoops to jump uh, through, actually. There's a lot of decisions to be made. Uh, you do need to find the right medical professionals to support you through that process, which I think makes us really considered parents. It, it, it's not a mistake. Uh, it's very much by design that you enter that journey. And, and so we, we really had to think about that quite intently. I think that in terms of the family planning process for us initially was, okay, who's going to carry? And that was a pretty easy one, actually. Um, Katie really had that yearning to feel motherhood, um, to become pregnant, to carry a child. And, you know, I think it's just like one of those funny things, you know, that there is that that myth of motherhood that um you know is, is told in society that all women want to be mothers and like I don't know that that's true like I've spoken to a lot of women who definitely want to be parents want to be mothers but I, I'm not just yearning for that physical experience and and I definitely didn't have that so we um you know agreed that that she would be the parent that carries the child and then we just started planning around that And was finance part of that? Because unfortunately in this world that we live in, males often out-earn their female counterparts. Um, In a same-sex couple, that still can be true, of course, but it's not necessarily that obvious disparity of male versus female and what they earn. Did finances come into who would carry? Yeah, I think um, parental leave definitely did in terms of how we organised ourselves for the first year of of care. I have to say in Australia, if you are eligible for Medicare, you do get support. It is not a cost neutral exercise, like it needs to be said, but um, I have to say as a same sex couple, you do get the same level of support as you do if you're a couple experiencing fertility issues. Um, So that's really important. You do have to obviously save and plan for the cost of assisted fertility and associated elements of that. But I'd say the the main part that required planning for us was um, what does that first year of care look like and how much time can we afford to take off? Um, So I was incredibly lucky Um, and I think this is kind of how uh, this conversation came about actually you know is a a post that I did on LinkedIn just flagging how incredible Canva support has been in this space. Canva as some other really forward-thinking companies um, have a parental leave policy that is not anchored around the concept of primary or secondary carer. If you are a parent if there is a child in your care it doesn't matter whether you're the mum, the dad, the birth mother, not the birth mother, you work for us, you have a child in your care, you get access to the full benefit, which is, I think, 
actually in an Australian context, really hard for people to wrap their head around. They're like, what do you mean? But actually. It makes so much sense when you say it. Like you're a parent. But you it's, need to look it's after actually, someone. <laughs> it's actually not a given. Like there are countries, especially Scandinavian countries, where that that dichotomy doesn't even exist. It's not a thing. So it is very much a policy choice that some companies and, and some countries make. In Australia, I think really in in recent months and years you know we've seen some progress in terms of moving away from that um really archaic way of thinking but anyway to go back to the the family planning um canva gave me uh as they do all their employees um, about five months of parental leave uh, which was fantastic and just allowed me to you know have some time to um to, to look after our daughter and to and, and to hang out with the family and and katie took a year off and she did have some support from her employer but nothing as i think cutting edge as, as what camera offers and so then you do fall pregnant how did pregnancy go for you i've never asked my husband how pregnancy went for him as the non-carrier like it's <laughs> it's never been a thought so it's quite interesting that i'm more intrigued to ask you maybe as a female but how yeah. did it go for you? It's weird. It was weird. I think we think, or I thought as a woman that I would get it more than I did. You That's know, really interesting because I would have made the same assumption. Yeah, I didn't get it. Um, I didn't get it at all. And I think I probably anticipated that pregnancy was a gendered experience as opposed to like a body experience, but like yeah. firmly, like I didn't have the hormones running through my body. Um, I wasn't growing the child. So I think I was very much a support crew as I think a lot of male partners um, find themselves to be. I tried to do my best to be, you know, supportive and and all of that, but it, it was a really odd time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's really, really fascinating. Time. Like with hindsight, thinking about me before being pregnant I couldn't have understood so I don't know why I'd make that assumption that because physiologically you're wired the same that it would lead to you understanding because how could you it's so it's so different it is really different and I think you know you you want to help out and you feel like maybe you'll be able to relate to what it's like to feel hormonal but like frankly like the chats that we we're having it's like you, you yeah you're you're we're not on the same planet yeah that's a really yeah. interesting take so then your daughter does come into the world what was early parenthood like for you two yeah so um it, I mean brutal I think just a, a, a massive blur you know, I took a little bit of time off work and then went went back to work to be able to have a, a bigger chunk off later down the track and uh, and for us to be able to take our, our daughter uh, back to France to see my family for a few months. So yeah, it was it was a blur, just massive adjustment period. Um, and I think in hindsight, the first 12 months was a blur. Just don't know what you're doing, do you? Um, so just big adjustment period. And I think very much... Now that she's, you know, over a year old and we have a bit more data to, to use and, and and we know her a little bit more as a as an individual, um, it's it seems to be both harder and easier. And so you did have quite an exciting parental leave, as you said, a bit further down the track. You went to visit your family. Can you tell us about that experience? Yeah, that was absolutely wonderful. I think being far away from family is an an experience that a lot of people in Australia can relate to. You know, you make the choice um, to to live far away, and I think you don't come to 
to gripes with what that choice really means until a few years down the track. Certainly that's been that way for me. I made the decision to move away and kind of not return 15 years ago. So it's been a long time. And I always knew that, you know, when I had a family, that distance would be like take a different shape and, and feel different. And certainly it has. So the opportunity of taking several months off and for us to be off at the same time and to be able to see our baby with her grandparents, with my sister, with her children, and just being that bubble was was wonderful. Obviously, it made leaving really difficult. And now we have, you know, the rest of our lives to work out how we um, handle that, that, that distance factor. Uh, but yes, that was brilliant. And I think that, you know, going back to a lot of the questions that you ask your guests on these podcasts around what it means to be a parent, what it means to be a working parent, but we as a society just don't put enough weight on what it means for parents to be able to have that time as a family together mm. in those first couple of months and even first couple of years, you know, that expectation that the child is born and then, you know, whoever births the child physically recovers and then it's business as usual. It's just madness. It's insane. It is insane. So I think for us being able to take that beat and have that time and to do it in my home country, that was wonderful and definitely a moment we'll cherish forever, I think. It's really interesting the way you just put that because you've reminded me that something that I think about often, which is I didn't actually go back to my sort of, I guess, corporate job. I'm freelancing, mm. which has meant a much slower pace. Not always, of course, but it's not as structured. I can sort of shape shift and work really hard one day and hardly work the next or whatever. And my husband's a very cruisy man. He's a builder, starts early, finishes early. And I always think about how much he's around and how family life is like very intense for us. It's not like he's missing and I'm waiting for my husband to come home from work at 7pm each night. And that would be really hard if you're just getting back into the rat race. Like it's Mm -hmm. insane that we don't get that moment, as you say, to take that beat and actually be together as a family. It is. It's it's just, I mean, I think people in different jobs and careers experience it differently, but speaking from what I know best, which is, you know, knowledge work and white collar type of work. But we we genuinely treat people like they need to pretend that nothing's happened. And, you know, I think there are some forward thinking organizations like Canva and many others that seem to get it, that that's actually not what it's like. And we don't just need to tolerate the fact that people have children, but actually treat it as it's a benefit to us. Like working parents are the most efficient type of employee you will ever have. <laughs> um, they have I'm not so in my head furiously for anyone that yeah, can't absolutely. <laughs> and we, we need to change that. But I think um, corporate organizations, especially, I can't believe I'm saying that, but thank God for COVID, you know, like um, the way that flexibility has changed has, has been incredible. But I think about, you know, first 10 years of my career and, you know, you needed to be at your desk 9.30 to 5.30, Monday to Friday, no arguments about it. Minimum as well. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, I think that that's been a, a really brutal way to treat working parents. Um, and I'm glad to see that that's shifting, but there's still too many people that don't have enough understanding, empathy, flexibility for the fact that they are parents and have caring responsibilities, whether it's for a child or you know another family member or whatever it may be actually. Mm. And so I imagine when you returned from this holiday, I'm guessing here, so you can fill in the blanks, that you returned to work in a more official permanent capacity. There was no breaks coming. That break had been had or that leave had been taken and that your wife might have still been on maternity leave for a period. How did you feel as the, 
I put this in quotation marks, secondary caregiver. How did you feel returning to work more officially? That, it was bizarre. Like the whole experience has been bizarre, you know. It was obviously amazing to know that our daughter was with Katie and that she was really happy and well cared for and that, you know, luckily we didn't have to send her into care. When we sent her into daycare, we felt she was ready for it. So that was brilliant because I know that there's loads of people who, um, you know, have to make the choice to send their child to daycare sometimes earlier than they would like to. Uh, we didn't have to do that, which I think was wonderful. But that feeling of, you know, bye, honey, I'm going to work, even if it's just in the second bedroom. But then coming, like, that is just weird. Yeah. Um, and, and the way that you take on roles really quickly as well. And again, like, this is what you and I were talking about just before we started recording. But sometimes... I, I think we make the assumption that things are gendered experiences when not mm. necessarily that's not necessarily the case. Like the dynamic clicked into place pretty quickly and without intentionality, you know, we're very much like trying to cut things straight down the middle, 50-50 and be a really equal type of couple. But yeah, I found myself like I'm focused on work, you're focused on the child. Yeah. And didn't have to do that. My work's not expecting that from me. So yeah, it was it was really odd. <laughs> do you think being a female made you more aware of that? Or do you think that's me making an assumption? Like, I guess stereotypically society has been like the man goes out and gets the money and the woman's at home with the kids. Do you think you were more thoughtful of that being a woman? I, I think I was acutely looking for it. Yes. I think I was just constantly trying to poke and probe how I was approaching it and yeah, just treating it as a bit of an experiment, I think, you know, in no way in a unique position, but it is it is not an experience that a lot of people go through. So I think it is yeah. quite interesting to reflect on. Yeah, it's really interesting hearing you talk mm. about that. I think I've made some assumptions that, yeah, it is more gendered than it is. So it's really fascinating. It's mm. good to learn from your experience. So what's it like now? Your daughter's 15 months old. What is it like for you and your wife to make work work today? Yeah, um, that's a great question. Um, we're still still feeling our way through it. Um, loads of sickness in the house. Um, we are both working full time. Um, we made the decision oh, wow. to yep to to both be full time. Um, there were several conversations about whether you know we should do four days and four days, or I should do full time and Katie should do less. Like at the end of the day, I think we just made the call that. The way that we both like to lean into our work, we would be working full-time hours for full-time output anyway. Um, so we decided to just bite the bullet. Um, so our daughter's in care five days a week and one day at a time, Lucinda, one day at a time. <laughs> We're also moving at the moment. So we just do the juggle and do the best we can and try and put our daughter first and 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 still, you know, show up. And for parents that both work full-time who might be feeling guilty, might be feeling nervous if it's something that's happening in their future, what would you tell them about to try and make them feel better about that situation or to try and remember that they're doing something that they love? Oh, yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. I think everyone's situation is so different. Like I think you just have to trust in your own resourcefulness and if you are a family with Two people lean on each other as much as you can. I think it's really easy to turn on each other and really you have to try and guide it together. Um, if you're a single parent, try and surround yourself with as much help and support as you can. Like it is hard. It is really mm -hmm. hard. 
you know, people like always laugh and say, oh, you know, they don't prepare you for it. Like genuinely, they don't prepare you for it. <laughs> it is really challenging. And so with you both working five days, I imagine there's potentially, I don't know if it's like great communication or if it's a very, very tightly planned out calendar or if it's plenty of working from home. What are the little bits and pieces that actually make your week a little bit easier? Yeah, great question. All of the above. So I think a plan we will deviate from is what I like to call it. It's apparently what NASA calls the launch plans for rockets that they have. Like they make a plan. <laughs> if they're doing they it, it sounds pretty good. <laughs> the technology is going to have to change. So we have a plan we will deviate from and, you know, we really map things out. Um, we're both incredibly um, lucky that our employers are very open to work from home and we do have flexibility. So um, that relieves a lot of the pressure, um, definitely. And then, yeah, communicate, communicate, communicate. Um, every day that our daughter is well enough to go to daycare and that she's not sick is a yes, you know. <laughs> I'll, I'll try and move forward through as many things as I can today because she might be not in care tomorrow um, and that means that we need to take a day off or do the juggle or whatever it may be so um, I think you know we're just realizing that you know the first year in care especially when you're sending them in care at the start of winter it's it's going to be choppy um, Mm -hmm. and you just try and need to take it slow and support each other as much as you can. And what about when your daughter is sick? This is something else that actually fascinates Mm. me because I actually haven't gone back to work full time. I will Mm. one day, but I think it'll probably be a later down the track thing for me. And my husband works mostly out of the home. So it's a bit more difficult. He'll pick up the pieces here and there and he's incredible when he can be. But if he has a site meeting an hour away and I don't have as much on, inevitably it falls on me to get my son from daycare or to be with him. If I have something on, it's a different story. But when you're both full-time, how do you jostle that? Is it just who's got the busier day? Yeah, exactly. Uh, We have to make calls and, you know, um, Katie might have a client meeting or I might have a presentation. um, And if we both do, we just have to toss a coin, don't we? Like, yeah. (laughs) That's just, again, day by day. Day by day, day by day. Like if, if anyone else has got any other tips or they have a, a, a better approach, like, please let me know. But that's, that's the only thing we found works. I, I'm, I'm r- really envious of people who've got help around the corner. Um, you know, we don't. My parents are in Europe. Katie's parents are not in Sydney. So yeah, it's just, it's just us and we have to try and make it work as much as we can. With that in mind, perhaps I already know what might be your greatest challenge, but what has been your greatest challenge with making work work as a mum? I think making work work is just all logistics um, and and that's fine. Like logistics is not what I typically struggle with. I think for me it's more been around just emotionally coming to terms with what it means to be a parent. Um, That's been a real journey um, and what it means to be the other mum. It's it's just a it's it's a tough one to wrap your head around. You know, I'm definitely an equal parent. I'm no less, but you know, it is it is different. Um, you know, I haven't had the experience of carrying a child. I haven't had the experience of birthing, to an extent, I think as well, because I haven't had the physical experience or the hormones or things like that. Like it took me a while to come to terms with the fact that yes, I am a parent and mm-hmm. I'm an equal parent. So for me, it's probably been more just dropping into the experience of being a parent and what that means and you are responsible for someone and that aspect has been more challenging than the 
the logistics of making work work. Yeah, that's really interesting. And mm. what about the best parts of it? You're both, I imagine, doing something you love. Then you get to spend this great family time with your daughter. Yeah. For someone that might be returning to work tomorrow that's feeling really shit about it, what are some of the great things about getting to still do what you love while being a parent? Yeah, that's a fabulous question. I think life feels so full. You know, I was a very happy and very content person before, but life feels really full. And I think having a child, I don't know if you felt that way as well, Lucinda, but it feels like all of a sudden there is a new arc to your life. Yeah. Um, you know, in the same way that when you watch a movie and you see the arc of a character, like all of a sudden it's kind of like that rainbow shooting in front of you. And it's not just what your next holiday is or what your next work project is. And all those things are really still important. You get a lot of satisfaction out of them. But there is also just that that path that you're going to, yeah, look forward to. And being able to do that as well as having a fulfilling career, like it's really hard to do all of it, both of it. And, you know, there's that open question about can women do it all and whatnot. But it, it makes life feel very fulfilling, I think. I love that you brought that up because I really don't like the whole have it all thing. I think we all have our, our versions of what it all means, but I think it's sort of a ridiculous notion to think that something doesn't fall to the wayside. Like mm-hmm. if you're working more, you are with your child less and that's great. I love working. Yeah. I actually love being away from my son. Like when I've got a busy work week, I'm just as happy as when I've got more time with him. What do you think about that having it all concept? It's a hard one. It's a really hard one. Um, I feel like I'm speaking from a really privileged position, right? I um, have had loads of opportunities in my life. You know, I've, I've, I've got a good career. I've got resources. I've got options. So I think that for me, having it all, I don't see that as unachievable. It's more around what my expectations are, right? Um, yes. And I can make a really good life with the cards that I've been dealt and how I'm playing them. I think that there are loads of women's and 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 loads of parents that don't have the options um, mm. that I have. They don't have, you know, the choices, etc. And 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 for those people, I think that 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 mythology around having it all and you're failing at something if you're not making it work, like that's not fair. Yes, you've articulated what I meant so much better than I do because it just puts people under this pressure of thinking that even someone like you, that you've got it all sorted all the time. You've got this awesome full-time job. You've got a daughter. You've got a loving relationship. It's like that's all, but it's like things have to give at different times and we're not yeah. all, we're not just living the absolute dream. Like things can still be really challenging. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, Absolutely. I love the way you've worded that. <laughs> What would you like people to know about same-sex couples or same-sex parents? It might be myth-busting. It might be what to stop asking. Yeah. It might be what to, what to start asking. What would you want people to know? I've got so, so many answers <laughs> to that. Um, okay, the first one is we are normal people. Um, newsflash, you know, huge newsflash. <laughs> we are normal people, you know, we are a normal family. Families come in different shapes and sizes, you know, people understand and accept that, you know, some family have two parents and family have one parent. Like that's that that's fine, you know, like that's the shape of a family, you still call it a family. Um, and it's the same thing for same-sex couples. So I think that's number one. Number two is 
I think this concept that I think is really toxic um, that happened around, you know, the time of sex same, same sex marriage in Australia, but even more so around the time that the same sex marriage law was being passed in France, there were just loads of groups that were just up in arms around getting against same sex couples, being able to have families and all of that and saying, you know, children are going to be, you know, messed up. And like, that is just beyond ridiculous that is beyond ridiculous you know we're talking at the start about come up with this shit (laughs) i i I don't understand like the 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 thoughtfulness the intentionality the the hoops you have to jump as a same-sex couple to have a child are just crazy so to think that these people are just you know falling pregnant and just going to be bad parents is preposterous. And these um, same people that are making these debates are probably really comfortable with a heterosexual couple where the relationship's really toxic. The kid has seen this toxicity for twenty years, and they've got some really bad health implications from it. That's exactly right. It's just like, oh yeah, but we understand the shape of that family, so that's fine. But you're not fine. So I think that. For me, like understanding that same-sex couples have to be that much more considered, not only about the process of bringing a child into the world, but also about parenting. You know, like the choice of school, the choice of daycare, the questions that you have to ask or the intuition you have to ask when you're picking a daycare and go like, is this going to be a safe environment for my child? I've and never thought like, of that very, till right yeah, now. Yeah, like very, very lucky. You know, we live in Sydney and, you know, it's, you know, great, great environment. So it's it's not been like, a live concern but a couple places we've gone we've been like our daughter's going to be the only child from a same-sex family like and I imagine you walking into these experiences walking with a little bit more hesitation that I as a person in a heterosexual relationship people perceive as the normal family yeah I've got my hands up in inverted commas um I imagine you walk in with a bit more nerves which is not something I've thought of until right now yeah so I think that that's um that's another one to to think about and, you know, in terms of like what to start asking, what to stop asking, uh, I think people are really curious about the how and I understand, but also I don't know, I don't really want to answer those questions. Yeah. And know? what's the like, point? I'm the parent. I've told you I'm the parent. Leave me alone. I, I think just people, and again, I think that happens with education and with exposure. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not blaming people for what, what they don't know, but just sitting in with curiosity a little bit um, and trying to just observe and treat people as humans, I think, um, is the, the right approach there. And my final question for you, Manon, is if you could solve one problem for working parents today in Australia, what would it be? I was thinking about that this morning um, as I was driving my daughter to daycare. And initially I was going to say, you know, it's all around parental leave policies and 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 making those as equal as possible because I think that the design of parental leave policies both from a government perspective but an organizational perspective really helps shape our families and care and bonding with children so that was going to be my answer still is partly my answer but actually something that's come to into the light for me a lot more recently is just empathy and understanding from organizations. I think I've been so lucky that Canva is an organization where, you know, I'm a working parent and like, you know, I very much encourage to put my family first and that's amazing. So um, if at any point I have to make a choice between like picking my daughter up early or getting a project out the door, like that is my choice. There's never any 
uh, pressure on me. But there's so many organizations where that's not the case. You know, I've got loads of friends, people around me, and I'm talking about knowledge workers, what call I'm not talking about people in um, shift work or anything like that, where it's a lot more challenging, obviously. But there are so many people and working parents who work in organizations that treat them like if they are have to prioritize family or to take a sick day, like something's wrong with them. And that is just yeah. rubbish. Like that is utter rubbish. And you know what it feels like when you have to take those sick days, like you feel so guilty to anyone that you're letting down. Like it's not a choice that you make lightly. It's it's really not. Um, you know, I was reading that article on LinkedIn the other day and it was like, you know, we need to start giving women pay rises before they go on parental leave. I don't know if you, if you saw that. We need to start giving women pay rises before they go on parental leave because by the time they return, they will have, you know, completed a course in time management, prioritization, leadership, resilience at no cost to you. And that is so true. <laughs> at, the, at no cost to you part, I was like, oh, yes, that's so true. At no cost to you. And, and I mean, it's the same for, you know, any working parent that's really leaning into the care. I think it doesn't have to be for a woman or for a man, but we really have to start changing that that narrative and that corporate narrative, you know, that we've inherited from the 80s and 90s that, you know, you are on the treadmill. If you have a child, just get back on. You have to keep running as fast as it was before. And then you have to mask everything that's happening at home. So I think that, again, I think there are some organizations that are forward thinking and are starting to change that narrative, but it's just not changing fast enough and that's making the experience of being a working parent incredibly stressful for people and it's not recognizing the value that they add to society um so yeah that'd be my answer I feel like anyone that listens to this podcast regularly would be so sick of me hearing hearing me say this but you touched on something so important then which is that I still feel like in corporate settings everyone would be like oh you had a baby like family means everything but it's all just like this big lie because most corporations actually just care about the company first and everyone just pretends Mm. that family is important but doesn't really act on it it's really it's quite a bizarre thing but you also said something else that means I have one more question for you so I lied last question which I think is another positive for anyone that is scared about that return to work how has motherhood made you a better worker Oh, so much better, so much better. The ability to truly decide what's important and what isn't changes when you have a child. All of a sudden you have something that's much more important waiting for you at home or at daycare. So your prioritization skills, um, I think definitely um, go up. I think empathy, you know, that, 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 that phrase about like, you just don't know what's happening for someone. And I think for a lot of us who are in fairly, privileged position like you know occasionally we have you know but times in life but broadly you know life life goes on as it as 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 per normal as it does once you have a child at home like all of a sudden you do have stuff happening at home all the time and I think that it really does give you a level of understanding for what potentially is happening for other people at any given time so I think it really enhances your emotional intelligence and empathy skills as, as well and I think you just become a lot more focus on just being effective as opposed to being visible or present. And I think this is really interesting as well. I was having a chat with a really good friend of mine who's just gone back to work, Gemma. And, um, you know, she was saying like, I've always loved working, but now that I have a child and, you know, I leave her in care and then I go and do my work, like I have so much work, fun at work because that's for me now. Um, you know, whereas before you never really had that segmentation Separation. of... 
yeah what I do for my family what I do for my life and and work really becomes like a really exciting fulfilling intellectual pursuit so that whole myth around again in like really dusty organizations around working moms and you know they don't don't care like that is just not true Mm. that is just not true um and I think that being a, a parent makes you just a lot more intentional um yeah. and I think again like I'll say it again like we really need to move away from this idea that you are a valued employee despite being a parent like truly realizing that being a parent makes you a better contribute contributor I think yeah it's funny isn't it I think work's probably the biggest most stressful thing in your life before you have a child and then that child divides you up in ways you didn't think was possible mm-hmm. you get back to your desk and you're like this is easy. This is fine. And I'm not saying that's always the case. Like I don't want anyone listening to be like, well, I'm not finding it easy. There are times when it's not, but there is such a great message in that, that like being a parent is really bloody hard. So for a lot of people going back to work actually does feel like the easy part, even though Mm -hmm. challenges come with that. I have loved hearing your story. It's so fascinating hearing what you found to be gendered and not gendered in your experience as the other mother and I say that again with inverted commas I don't think you are the other mother but as the person that didn't carry the baby so I've absolutely loved hearing your story thanks for coming on thanks so much Lucinda and thanks so much for the podcast I really enjoy listening to it and yeah they're just fabulous conversations so thanks for inviting me on thanks for listening to ready or not if you liked the show please tell your friends subscribe or write a review You can also find us on Instagram at readyornot.pod. That's it for today. We'll see you next time.